Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of Venture Poland podcast. My name is Daniel Czachorowski and my goal is to promote Poland as a great partner in business, especially when it comes to technology. This time we will dive into a researcher's mind. Uh, I have invited Professor Robert Bogdanovich from Gdańsk University of Technology. My guest is not as famous as Professor Michio Kaku, who is mostly known from YouTube for his humorous speeches, but his work is widely recognized and also very impressive as he specializes in diamonds. Robert, say hello to the listeners and explain whether you're planning to change your career like Professor Kaku and become a comedian. <laughs> hello, everybody. It's not really my <laughs> my style of, of being, especially in science. It's, you know, it's it's not that easy in Polish science community, which is really serious. Yeah, I see. In many situations, you have to keep this a bit aside to be really taken seriously in the research. Yeah. Usually I, I joke a lot, uh, also I joke about the science, but this is mostly just in group, not on the official meetings. <laughs> no, it's just an opening question. I mean, my previous guest commented that everything is so structured and we're not joking, you know, and I just thought that I would put this uh, little joke in the beginning. Okay, I've done some research about your current work and I chose... Uh, probably the most uh, social media friendly topic, which is the diamonds. Uh, tell us in a few steps, what does it take to create a diamond at home? So in principle, let's say, honestly, you just need the microwave cooker. And then uh, you just need also the jar. So you have to, to have some jelly or something like this, finish this and then start your experiments. I will not even empty the jar and wash it because in principle, this is also the nice source of carbon. Uh, because in principle, diamond is just 100% carbon, just in other form. Uh, of course, you cannot create the beautiful diamond which you could just gift to your girl or, or wife, uh, because you will create some composite of uh, different forms of carbons, so it will look like a black amorphous uh, matter, but you will create the small uh, diamonds inside. So. Just microwave cooker, then create small vacuum. So you just need the candle, fire it up inside, and then just uh, use as much power as you have. And then you could create the, in principle, it's called the nano diamonds because it's the size of uh, nanoscale. So it's possible to do it at home and it could be pretty useful as uh, you could use this, for instance, to wash your dishes because it will be something like scrubbing fluid. But you could also do something like modification on this. So you could just uh, use the different forms of carbon, uh, add to your jar and heat up one more time just to get some uh, interesting results. So you could do your own experiments, but remember that this could be uh, really dangerous when you just ignite small plasma in your microwave cooker. It could be dangerous because you overheat the microwave cooker because you used high power and then you use not optimized conditions for uh, for cooking just uh, to do uh, your plasma inside. I see. So this is actually quite interesting. I wasn't really expecting that it's going to be that easy. So just by using microwaves from your uh, microwave oven, it's obviously in, in super nano scale. So you can't really see the diamonds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you you do not have too much power to do that. If you have really powerful Owen, <laughs> which is somehow redesigned, then you could make them, of course, larger and larger. Yeah? We have also microwave cooker, 
but the special design. Yeah? This is something which even not looks like microwave cooker. But in principle, the system is the same. Just it's scaled up just to have kilowatts of microwave power. In that case, in your environment, in the scientific environment, uh, at your lab, uh, you obviously have a controlled way of developing diamonds and working with them. So can you tell us a bit more about uh, how it works and what do you actually do in your lab? Yeah, obviously, we, we grow the diamond. When I just explain what I am doing to anybody, so we are telling that we are seeding and growing like a farmer. Yeah? Yeah, because if you want to grow the diamond, you have first to do seeding. It's pretty tricky because from the beginning you need the diamond, uh, because you need the seeds. Uh, seeds of diamond just to grow the diamond. Yeah? Uh, you cannot really create the diamond from nothing, or even if you could, it's really, really slow that you have to wait weeks in principle. Yeah? Uh, when we grow the diamond, we grow this in vacuum, so you need the vacuum chamber, uh, because you want to get a clean diamond. In such a case, you need this vacuum to get really some uh, controlled conditions. When you have the vacuum, it means that in principle, you need some carbon source. And in that case, we're just using methane, which is pretty cheap and natural gas, which is produced by many companies. And then we, we use the methane as a carbon source. Then we add microwave power just to heat up this gas. When it starts to heat, it becomes excited. And in that case, it's just losing the hydrogens because methane is just one carbon and four hydrogens. So when it's losing the hydrogens, it's become active. It looks maybe really simple, but you know, if you have to uh, to control each molecule of methane, it's not that easy thing. And then you play just with conditions just to get the diamond on the surface. So in principle, we could grow the, the gems. Our main purpose is just to grow surfaces. So you grow tin film, which is covering some surface. And in that case, uh, we are not exactly limited by the thickness. We are rather limited by the time. Because if you want to grow something like one millimeter of, uh, of the diamond, it takes something like two days. And in that case, if you want to scale it up and make really thick films, then it's taking uh, days, weeks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, yeah? uh, but this is not really our purpose because the larger diamonds in the world are grown mainly for systems like Tokamak, like the French guys who are doing ether, uh, and they need the windows from diamond, which are a size of uh, centimeters. Yeah, so it's really huge diamond. It's uh, actually it's the largest diamond in the world. As I remember, this was something like. 20 or, or 30 centimeters in diameter. So it's huge diamond, yeah? And it's thick, something like two centimeters or something like that. Yeah? We grow mostly the, the tin films in, uh, on different surfaces and our purpose is mostly electronics, small transistors or diodes and devices just for sensing, even if uh, you recognize that the diamond is not conductive. But it's a trick just to make it also conductive. Okay, so you do your research and you play with the environment in which then you create different types of diamonds and surfaces uh, covered with uh, diamonds layer. This is what I understood. We will uh, actually come back to this question a bit later, but for now, so we open up the podcast. Uh, what are the uh, use cases for such diamond uh, surfaces? So the most popular now is mostly the cooling of systems. 
because uh, using the diamond heat spreader, uh, you could uh, spread the heat from the power devices, which is made, for instance, from gallium nitride or silicon carbide, or even the, the standard high power silicon devices, but mostly the plates on gallium nitride, which is uh, somehow limited by the um, thermal management. It's pretty tricky because the gallium nitride is not uh, connecting with carbon. So you cannot directly connect them together. It means if you cannot connect them, the heat transfer is pretty weak. And then it's a lot of playing how to glue this together, how to connect this together just to have the, um, a great uh, thermal management of high-power devices. I am talking kiloamps or uh, even larger currents in such a systems. Uh, the other, which is now really popular, um, uh, this is the mostly the diamond and nano-diamond for the different novel health industry. So uh, for the biosensing at the level of something like, you know, parts per billion or, or even a much larger sensitivity. And in that case, uh, there is a couple of different effects or physical phenomena behind, which could be used to get interaction from something like biological matter just to jump to electrical signal. So controlling and detection determination of some unique species which should be found in some, uh, some larger volume of some solvent. Uh, it could be something like bioliquid, it could be also something like the open water, so in many situations, the diamond is playing a very important role. Still, it's not on the market, but uh, a couple of different devices are developed, and we are also working on one. It's a device sensing uh, the different pathogens. Uh, I am talking about detection in, uh, mostly in the blood and urine, which could be done almost at home, something like testing your sugar, blood sugar. The principle is the same. So you're just using the drop of uh, your urine or all blood just to detect if you inflammated or not. This is something like self-control, which could be directly connected with your doctor and he will get information about the data just using the technology. And then this is something like the next step, which is uh, near future beyond. And a lot of uh, self-diagnostic point-of-care devices will come on the market and then we will increase the the efficiency of detection of the different pathogens, but not only the pathogens, we also started with the oncologic issue, which is much more difficult because one more time, the, the level of the species is much lower in the, in the solvent. So you have to find lower concentration of the species in some solvent. Yeah? And also the doctors do not really know what to look for because not every cancer have some specific marker which could be found and just tell you, okay, you are at the very uh, beginning stage of some kind of cancer, which is pretty uh, interesting. And, and the market is keen on this because it's obviously you have to find the cancer as fast as possible to heal it. I see. And then in that case, we are using direct biological interaction with electrical signal and the diamond is interfacing between because it's just made of carbon. So it's easily connected with all the biomatter because we are also built from carbon. I don't want to go into details. Yeah, I just want to escape from really technical speech yeah? or, or search speech, academic one. Yeah, but mostly this is interaction between biological system and electrical signal. And in that case, we could find some specific uh, signals which could be marker or or pathogen which is found in the solvent. So the other approach is just to use defects in the diamond which is contaminated, for instance, by nitrogen. 
So it's not the pure carbon structure, which have some specific optical mm. interaction with matter around. And when you just get this interaction between the biomatter and this optical defect, which is in principle quantum defect connected with the spin of the electron, which is in that system, then you could detect much lower concentration. And that's why we are also using the other principles, because it's uh, enabling you extreme detection of something like one molecule in something like, you know, one, uh, one cubic sure. meter of the, of the water. Yeah. So this is the scale you have to work. Yeah. So different principles we, got, we are using for the detection of different species, mostly in the health sector, but also in the environmental sector. So detection of something like microplastic and also bisphenol A, which is plastificator in open water or also in the, in the sewage. So we collect the samples and then we are not only focused on the detection, Diamond gives us possibility also to attenuate that process. So sure. we could, using just a larger current, cause disactivation of this dangerous species because this is mostly something like organic chain systems and you could break the chain, just do the mineralization and then it's completely inactive and not dangerous, not toxic. And as you know, the bisphenol A is pretty popular in recent years because it's used in all the plastics which we have around. Exposed to the water, this bisphenol A is just pretty dangerous because it's causing cancer. So the bottom line is that diamonds are not only used in jewelry. In general, scientists around the world are trying to explore new ways of using them. So from my perspective, I'm really grateful for your uh, work. I would like to uh, focus now a bit more on yourself. From the ResearchGate profile, or maybe from all the websites where your uh, work is uh, being published, uh, we read that you have submitted well over 100 scientific articles. You have also participated in many very sophisticated projects. Well, we've heard about that a moment ago. Uh, you have been awarded many times with your team or alone. Did you plan to become a scientist? How did you start, Robert? And how did it all happen? It's all about the people, like always. I don't know how you find this, but it's always the people, yeah? I decided to do this path because I have a good mentor, yeah? And that's all. And my mentor was Piotr Broczynski, which was my diploma thesis advisor. I think at that time I was not even thinking about that he was my mentor. I found this now, yeah? That I follow many of his ideas in my research life or my academic career. Because it's way of living. It's not exactly the job. Because you cannot just, you know, close the door of your lab or office, just go out and forget about it. It's everywhere. Sure. So your family has to be also in. It's tightly connected to all your life because you cannot just stop thinking about the research. Uh, by the way, many great ideas just came to you, not exactly in uh, working in the lab, but just on a walk with your kids. Yeah, you just have open-minded and then you just have the flow of some new thoughts and then you find okay let's test it yeah and then you come back or just you know make a notes and then just send emails to your co-workers let's try it this way yeah because you know you it's always solving problems which are somehow on the market on just close by yeah and the second argument is that i don't know if this was automatic but somehow was created the group around me that people wanted to work with me yeah, because you, 
really it's not the fun to do something alone. The fun is in a team. Even if you have many aims, and this is what really uh, I am keen on, to work with the young people or even people at my age and even older which want to cooperate with us. In my group, which is just 15 people, but when you count people which cooperate tightly, then it's something like 40 people, yeah? And uh, they have own research, but doing also something like bridge with us and we solve some problem together. Absolutely. And in that situation, this is what it's really uh, interesting that you study the way of thinking of other people because they have the different way of thinking. And then you start to think differently because we will try to understand how he see this phenomena from a completely different point of view. Yeah, because they are just coming from the different education system or different uh, experiences, so they have completely different way of solving problems. Even if I cooperate with commercial sector or some companies, I do not see me completely working, as you know, as some manager, just keeping the production working. Yeah? Because I know that they have also problems. Sure. But then uh, the most difference uh, in there, we are not really on a time limit. We are always on the deadline, but we are not pressed so much like in industrial. I guess you would consider yourself or maybe your team or uh, your last um, scientific work as a success. And my question is, what does it take to become a successful researcher? Is it just about being curious? Curious is, is the one thing, but the other one is also something like to be patient. <laughs> if you are in hurry, you could really miss solutions on the way. <laughs> or if you are not patient enough, you could just, you know, cancel some research the day before solution. Yeah? You never know uh, when you will get the solution or if this is the best solution you could get. But let's say to be curious, I think is the most important, but also it's very important to listen to the people and try to understand them, not to argue with them. Sure. So suck information from other people and then connect puzzles together just to create the solution at the very last point. So it's very important also to sum up what you get. So in many situations, I make notes which are not connected together at all. And then I try to create bridges between them because some different groups or different people observe different effects. Just doing research on the same thing, they have different information, which looks like they are completely in contradiction. And then you just look for the solution in that. Why they give so opposite effect? Or this is just the mistake, so then you just order, okay, let's repeat this. But they repeat something like three times and you get the same results. So, so where is the clue behind? And this is what really is interesting for me. Yeah? Perfect. So uh, in that case, what's your end goal as a researcher, as a scientist? Do you have anything in mind that you're focusing on? Or is it just short-term plans, just trying to solve next problem and then next problem? The short outcome, of course, this is just the effect. Something like, you know, the publication or something like new product. This is something like short-term outcome. But when I just look at this long-term outcome, I would say one more time, people, that they will have good thoughts about me, that he was a nice guy uh, doing nice research, that they will one day tell, okay, he was the mentor and that I just spent four years with them. This was something like the Brilliant. best four years Brilliant. in my life. Yeah. 
Okay. I really wish that you're on the path to achieve this, Robert. It seems like it seems like you're doing a good job from what I uh, read and from what I've seen uh, on the internet. So congratulations so far. Um, when it comes to your day as a scientist, what does it look like? I'm not talking about giving lectures to your students because that's something obvious. You're at the university. That's probably part of your job. But uh, what about your actual research, the methods, the work cycles, the teamwork? How does it work? So, so usually I, I try to share my uh, my day work between the the family and then then work and then also time for me, for me. I'm doing also sports, just not going crazy about the work. Eh? And then uh, now we have something like structure that I have the postdocs, sub-leaders of some specific topics. So we have something like structure, which because uh, I am pretty busy, but I cannot really uh, spend so much time I would like with my coworkers. And then usually we, we have something like uh, one per week uh, meeting, uh, focus on some specific project. We have already something like uh, five running projects. So we have five meetings. With different constellation of people, we have something like, you know, the short goals and the, the long-time goals. And then we discuss usually during this meeting just about the short-time goals, what was done last week or what we have to improve just to get the results for the next week, etc. Some of the projects are done also in consortia. So usually we have meetings depending on the consortia once per month or once per three months, depending how tightly we have to cooperate. And then on the top, I have PhD students, I have diploma students, then you have to cooperate with them directly. And in that case, I have also meeting with them just face to face, discussing some specific projects which are, and I try to meet with them at least once per week or every second week. So it's, it looks like meetings, it's most of my life. <laughs> and then I, I try also to, to spend at least some um, afternoon or evening, then it's much calmer here in the Institute. Uh, doing my lab work, I, I don't want to escape, so usually I, I am running some experiments in, in person. And this is how it looks. And then uh, when you just became the, the professor, then you have also a lot of uh, official meetings. And this sure. is what really takes you a lot of time and traveling also. This week I am uh, doing research in Warsaw with military university where we are testing our new device for the detection of the explosives. So I just came for today to Gdańsk and tomorrow I go back to Warsaw uh, because we have some explosion tests just to collect the sample and do the testing. Yeah? And so I spent uh, two days before with them just doing pre-tests in the lab. And then uh, tomorrow we have field tests. So this will be also very interesting yeah? <laughs> because we will do the real explosion on the field. This is how it looks. yeah. So when you just talk about actual research, so we are running everything parallel. And then um, even if I have 15 people, still it's a rather small group regarding our scale of research. So when you think about the physics and chemistry, I think we are completely unlimited because even if we do not have some device here, usually we have network of, uh, of cooperators. Then we just uh, ship some samples he is testing, then we make a telecom just to discuss the results, and then we have what we need. Yeah? Uh, and uh, talking about the teamwork, this is what I am focused on. So this is not only the work, but we are also doing some team building. So we have also some social events. We have pretty strong group of sailors in our group. So they are sailing together. I am not a sailor, 
but I, I support them strongly. So they all, every time they have, you know, they, they disappear because they are somewhere in, you know, uh, uh, Caribbean or Canarians experiencing the sailing. Yeah. Brilliant. This is how we also do the team, this team, team building. Doing, yeah? Okay. So probably one of the last questions about your, um, uh, yourself, what are the most important things that you have learned about yourself throughout your career over last years yeah that that i am maybe too many times saying too much yes <laughs> hmm. people are coming they have some needs i am uh, always open and then you know i i say yes and then i have always problem to do the job what i promise i see i see <laughs> this is i think the this is the problem which i have i am still learning to say no that we are somehow limited because we cannot really solve all the problems or you know to cooperate with all the people which are interested in that there is some limit that we cannot really open the new topic yeah in the group yeah? because people are over could be overheated by uh, by amount sure. of work and uh, then also the other work which is which we promised before always uh, suffering in such sure, a case sure. yeah Okay, uh, I would like to ask one more time, actually, because this was something negative. You you see you see a problem, and then you you know uh, you try to adjust. Maybe you try to improve yourself. Yeah, but I was but... talking just about positives. Yeah, sure. So sure. I just also trying to find some uh, uh, negatives about me. Uh, I am not so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely, and I appreciate that. I mean, it's it's just uh, I'm looking from a perspective of a person who would like to become uh, a professor, who would like to become a researcher, who thinks he's maybe meant to do that in his career. That's, that's what I'm asking for. You know, the Polish uh, research sector and science is still under development. And there's a lot of really interesting, nice groups. And really, if, you, if you're keen on research, you will find for sure some, uh, some place for you. But still, the, the financing in Poland is pretty weak. So even if the group is pretty active and have something like, you know, these golden years, but the amount of the money in the system is small. So uh, even if you are best of the best, you could be just not lucky yeah? because it's just about the limited money. So this is pretty tricky in Poland. The system is not supported by the private sector. Because in principle, we do not have a real high-tech private sector. When you just go to, to US or Germany, money is coming from both sectors. And in that field, then if you're doing really nice applied uh, research, you could count on the money from that market. But in Poland, it's almost impossible just to get money directly from the private sector. Uh, it's really difficult. So you have to cooperate tightly with some international parties just to do nice research. But then you have to remember that companies from abroad are not really interested to do such a direct development in Poland. It's easier just to cooperate with cooperators from the universities next door uh, because it's closer. You, uh, it's easier to make a meeting, yeah, to discuss in Mother Tongue, etc., etc. Even if you are, let's say, better in the uh, science excellence, it's easier for them. Sure. And then in such a case, we cannot really compete in, on the euro market. So it's not easy to compete for the Polish researchers on the international market. If you are a young researcher, yeah, when you just look at the Cambridge group or Oxford group, this is pretty young groups. yeah. And then when you just uh, look at their achievements, they are stamped, starting from the completely different level. And in principle, when you work in hard technology, like we are working, costs are almost the same. Because when I am buying a specific system for the microwaves or some 
unique system for the electronic measurements, I am paying the same money like the people in, in Great Britain or US. So I cannot really compete with the research because the budget is something like four times larger there than here. Yeah. I don't want to, let's say, to push people to escape from Poland just to do research abroad. But my personal advice is just to start career abroad and then come to Poland. Absolutely. There is a lot of funding also for the backcomers. So even it's much easier to get the funding in Poland when you just start your career abroad and then you came back just to create a group here. This is my honest advice. Because their system is uh, well developed. Our system is still under development. So you should have in that field the different point of view just to get information how it looks in US and Germany or Japan or China. And then just, you know, create such an environment here. You could do that. And now let's say the hotspot of the science is definitely in China. And then if you really want to make really front-end research at the level of unlimited funding and unlimited human resources, I advise just to go to China. This is the best what you could do if you want really to speed up your career and you are a smart guy, I would go there. I am just limited by the family and I cannot really go to China because it's really not that easy if you have the family, you have to go there. This is a completely different culture. But if you are just, you know, you start your career, you're still a single and you are just focused on the career, this is really good, a good option you could take. Yeah, uh, uh, Shenzhen or Hangzhou, their budget or publication record is top of the top, really top of the top. Brilliant, brilliant. So let's move smoothly into commercial world because you've already briefly mentioned a few times your um, engagement, let's say, in the in the commercialization of uh, some products. From your work, uh, could you give us some examples of implementations of your science into the commercial world? So we've heard about the diamonds, but maybe something else. What else could you uh, tell us about? Okay, so at the beginning of my career, I was working on some device which you could find now in car diagnostic stations. So this is a small device which uh, measure you the transparency of your windscreen, which should be controlled because of the legal issue. Because you cannot in Poland do the, the, the total tinting of your windscreens. And in that case, we constructed a device which is working uh, on the basis of some Polish uh, norm. I am always happy when I just go to control my car okay. and uh, I see that he is just using my device. You know. So it's nice to, to see that it's still working, it's on the market. Yeah, it's useful, just useful. Yeah? It was a simple device. But the most difficult was just to fit the Polish norm, just to make the completely handheld a device which could be taken by a diagnostic guy just you know to measure the transparency yeah so this is what really makes me happy but now we are really uh, focused more not about the photonics but also on this uh, sensing what i say to you and then we cooperate here in Gdańsk on the point of care devices which is focused uh, for the sensing and detection of the influenza virus so this will be easy to test just to detect if you have influenza virus on or not and then you uh, just have app on your phone, which is connected to, to this small device at the size of hand. So in principle, if you just have such a feeling that you are somehow inflammated, then you could you know, stay sure. home and just not spread the influenza around. Because in principle, there is no real treatment of that. You have just to stay home. It's the easiest way. Then we are developing such a system of supercapacitor for the energy storage, then that it could survive really high power and high temperature. 
which is really important in some specific unique applications. We are also thinking something like space applications where it's needed because it's uh, miniature and also high power and uh, uh, resistive to high temperature. So it's also this focus, but it's not only space application, but also something like, you know, the oil and gas application when it's also under the high thermal conditions. So this is all the, the fields where it could be applied and we are developing such a supercapacitors which could be used for the fast charging of some devices. This is what we are now focused mostly. It's already somehow in tight cooperation with company and we are doing something like, you know, the scaling, stability, etc., etc. This is what is important just to get uh, the, the TRL, which is nine. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to um, the actual work with companies, is it them who try to find solution at universities within research groups? Or is it the researchers who try to find companies to share their problems with them? So I'm thinking how a new project would start, how a new idea would start. Is it from the researchers or is it from the commercial world? So in this case, it was something like a joint discussion because most of this project is also supported by the public money because it's high tech. So it's, of course, supported by the private money, but partially supported also by the public money. So in that case, uh, the company wanted to invest uh, money in that, and they came looking for something like solution on the, uh, what is in the research, because they need also some novelty in the project to be supported by the public money. This is different ways of the cooperation. So some of them, we, we know each other before. Some of them just found our patent in the database, and they just, you know, contacted our university just to discuss with them about the solution. Yeah? So there are different ways, but mostly this high-risk, high-tech, it's mostly supported by the public money. Because still, this is not like US, that they have something like virtual angels, but this is not the scale like, like they have in US. Yeah? When I just see what they are developing, or my boss from US is developing in the private companies, I am pretty sure that even our government won't support this because it's too risky. Yeah? <laughs> but they support this, obviously. Yeah? They are really investing in, in a new project and then developing something like uh, in new materials, like specific applications on do nanomaterials. And uh, there is no real power in Poland just to, you know, to invest uh, um, so much money because we do not have such a capital so we still need time for the development to develop our capital to be open-minded. Okay, I will spend this million today for that. Yeah. I see, I see. So in that case, do you have any comments when you consider your international experience, let's say? What are the three key things that Polish entrepreneurs, scientists or uh, managers and engineers should do better? What should we do better to catch up with uh, other research institutes? I would not see that we are doing something wrong. Yeah? It's just the matter of the experience. In principle, we are doing this now 18 years, <laughs> just yeah? because, you know, in the 90s we have break. Yeah? So it's, it's pretty short time. And then we, we really need longer time for the development. And still, when you just look at the academia, there is still some reforms. So it's not completely flexible. So we cannot really completely focus, for instance, for the research. Eh? Because our system is tightly connected with the education, which is, of course, very positive. And now this, uh, this year we have 
uh, or at the reform of our uh, universities. And it looks, it goes the proper direction because we will uh, have something like uh, limited teaching hours because last system we have something like 20 hours of uh, teaching each week. So if half of week you have to teach, then you just have a half of week for the research. So in principle, if you take into account all these uh, activities, you won't, won't have time for living yeah? if you really want to do this uh, really actively. And then uh, you, in the new system, you could be much more devoted to the research and cooperation and also commercial work. But still, there is a lot of uh, difficult situation because the community is not so open to the commercial world. A lot of people just thinking that the research is just, you know, devoted completely for the publication and, uh, and uh, focused on the achievements. Uh, then rather on looking for the uh, solutions or of the real problem and application then so doing something patent pending or uh, something like doing the intellectual property safety before they publish that. Uh, so there is still a lot to do, just something like education of the Polish Research Society. But this also is just we need time to pass, you know, to, to get the new generation of the scientists uh, then to give the scientists much more flexibility. And it's not really easy regarding the Polish administration, which is also pretty tight, and we have a lot of different legal issues which are really limited, and we have really to deal with this, while we, our colleagues from Germany or US then even do not know that this is existing. Yeah? And then they just, you know, doing research or discuss with companies, and then they have pretty nice support from administration, they do not really deal with legal issue and uh, patent pending because it's somehow self-done by the uh, by the uh, university support. Yeah, and in our system, of course, this is existing, but there is limited money coming to the system uh, to the universities. So university have to judge: should I hire one more scientist, which I have effect and he will do research, or I should hire more administration, which is really professional, really professional. Yeah. And then if you want to get such a professional guy coming from the commercial market, which is specialist, I don't know, in patent pending, it's really huge money to get such a guy to the academia. Because if you need a really great broker of the technology, the guy will not, you know, work for the university wages. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, it, it's difficult environment. I'm really keen to listen. What are your views on the future? Because this is ultimately what we are all trying to do. We're trying to build a better country, better environment for business, better environment for scientists. So my last question, actually, Robert, would be about your view on how to bring together business and research. So what do you think would be the best thing to do right now? What to do to do this uh, cooperation better? Yeah, you know, for sure we need much more trust in the system. So trust appears when the people just get to know each other. And we really follow this idea. So there is a lot of different meetings, official meetings, or there is different associations which try to do that. So there is a lot of such uh, places you could meet, yeah? But then if you want to attend this, you need to be flexible uh, with the funding and flexible with the uh, with your time, which is not that really easy. On the other way, for sure, we need more money. Yeah? Because when you just talk about our 
uh, money on the development and research, as I remember, is I think 1.3 or 4 percent of our gross. Yeah. When you just go to digital money, it will be something like you know five. So it's it's double. Hmm. I think the obvious uh, answer is just more money. We have to spend more money on the system. Of course, this will be also wasting of the money because many meetings, many the joint projects will not get results. Uh, there should be also, what just really we are missing, there should be much more marketing, exactly what you are doing. Yeah. Uh, so the, there is no real uh, Polish good mark at the world and mostly the 90s even destroyed our view. Uh, how we are uh, uh, we are positioned by the Germans or UK. Yeah. And this is still somehow existing in the mind of the people uh, I mostly experienced this in Germany. That they was somehow conscious about me because I was coming from Poland. Yeah. So we have to create really brand. Yeah. And for that we need the product which will be branded, something used by many people and recognize that this is really Polish. And I do not see such a product at that moment, which is something like that you could really connect it to the country. Yeah. Of course we are really recognized as a good country of vodka, and this is good product, okay. But but I am talking about the high-tech. No, this could be vodka with diamond, for instance, yeah. <laughs> and then it will be recognized, okay, it's Polish product, it was found by the Polish company or Polish researchers, the jointly with company or Polish team. This will be something like, you know, brand or mark, which is recognized by, by everybody globally. It would be service, it could be application, anything, yeah. I think that uh, this was something like ST mode or uh, there is also application Wish. Nobody, I think, recognized that this is Polish thing, yeah? They just noticed that this is existing, uh, but still nobody knows that this is Polish. I don't know, maybe this is because we are somehow really cosmopolitan also, because we, when you just go on our market and you go to buy your bag, it's not called something like the Polish name, but it's uh, something like Vichin, yeah? Always we are somehow escaping from, from Polish brands. Yeah. So what is important also is education here also to somehow attract Polish people to use Polish products yeah? because this will be also pushing uh, development of our products forward. Yeah? But we do not have real, maybe you see something like this. I do not see some global product which is recognized. Okay, it's a Polish thing. And this is a really good one. I will buy it because it's Polish. Listen, it's it's true. I think uh, that was probably one of the reasons I've started the podcast to try to understand what is the situation within the Polish high-tech industry and try to promote it because you know, what I've seen internationally um was that people do business in a very easy way, in a very simple way. They they sit together, they agree on things, they just deliver them. It takes half a year or or more and Obviously, money is less of a problem outside, especially when you work with far eastern countries nowadays like China. You've mentioned that already. It's just amazing what they do with their funding for different purposes. But it just seems like we as Polish people, we just should, as you said, trust each other more and just try to build things together. And then we can build brands. Then we can build trust worldwide. Yeah, I fully agree with you. Yeah. I think it's about our history that we are somehow, you know, really uh, what you also found in my speech that I am really critical about me. 
coming also to our specific Polish mood, I will be really something like, you know, limited or conscious about my my statements, my, uh, my output, just, you know, to thinking about what will be the feedback. I am just, you know, scared about the feedback, which is really secure for me. And then I am not developing something further because I am just, you know, I am just uh, scared about uh, feedback of the society, feedback of the customer. Looking at my colleagues, they are just, you know, doing their job and just do not go above. And then in that case, you really cannot go farther. Robert, I think thanks to you and uh, thanks to people like yourself uh, who go above and beyond, we will manage to get there. We will um, hopefully create something that we will be all proud of and we can we can share it with the world. Uh, I would like to thank you for the interview. It was great, although we've we've made it a bit longer than normally. But still, thanks. I really appreciate that. Um, Thank you. I wish you all the best. You too. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.